Okay, so Paul established very clearly back in chapter 7 that those who follow Jesus are no longer under the law. But the question is, what can we get out of studying the Old Testament scriptures? We're going to talk about that today and a lot more on BibleStudyPodcasts.org, starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again. You are listening to BibleStudyPodcasts.org. Today is Monday, the 12th of December, 2011, and I'm your host, as always, Toby Logsdon. God bless you guys, and thank you so much for joining us today, for downloading this message. We truly do appreciate you being here. We are blessed to have you with us today. Uh, It's less than two weeks until Christmas. Can you believe it? Man, this, this year has gone by so fast for us, uh, as those of you who have been listening to me for a while uh, probably know, you know, we've been here about a year now, almost a year, um, actually almost 11 months. We got here January, the first sermon I gave was January 30th. I'm not sure exactly what day we pulled in, maybe the 27th or 28th or something of January. But yeah, this year has gone by so fast. It's, it's just unbelievable. Anyway, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the focus series that we just concluded last week. Um, it was a, I don't know, how many parts were there? Nine or something? Nine, maybe ten, ten parts to the series. But uh, hopefully it was a lesson that you guys liked. Like I've said, it's kind of a, a systematic theology in a way, covering some major areas of theology that um, that get covered in systematic theology textbooks, uh, but obviously at, at a, uh, a more application-type level. Uh, that's what the, the goal of the Focus series was. Uh, the next series that we'll be starting every other week is going to be the Book of Mark, which I think you guys will love. Uh, Man, we, we've had some great uh, great lessons, great life applications that we've pulled out of the book of Mark, uh, stuff that I've really enjoyed. And, you know, there, there are a lot of messages in there. You know, sometimes I feel like when I'm teaching, I'm, I'm almost kind of regurgitating stuff, you know, just kind of sharing information that I already have. But sometimes when I do a lesson uh, or, or a message or a sermon or whatever... Um, It'll be something that I really get something out of, and that's been the case with the book of Mark. Man, it's been great for me uh, just to look at the life of Jesus through Mark's, uh, Mark's lens. Before we get started, I did want to remind you guys that this month, the month of December, you can support our ministry here at BibleStudyPodcasts.org by going to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org, and on the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see a support box, and you can click on that, and you'll find ways that you can support our ministry financially. We do rely on our listeners. We're a listener-supported ministry uh, to pay our servers and keep everything up and running and everything. And this month, everybody who donates uh, $10 or more, or if you're signed up to uh, to donate monthly uh, through monthly drafts, um, you'll you'll get a copy also. But we're giving away a copy of the book, The God Conversation, uh, by J.P. Moreland. This is a, a great book for those of you who want to talk to your friends about. Uh, about Jesus and about theology, and if you want to be able to address some of the tough questions and objections that they come up with, this book will give you a, a t- 
totally revolutionary approach. There are some great ways, some great tips for engaging your friends in uh, in deep conversations in this book. So this month, everybody who supports our ministry with a donation of $10 or more is going to get a copy of this book sent to you. Um, it's a book that will change the way you talk to your friends uh, about theology, about Jesus. So uh, I, w- I hope that that's something that blesses you guys. I want it to be something that blesses you guys. One other uh, quick announcement, and that is, uh, in case you missed the announcement a couple weeks ago, we're in the process of developing an app. Uh, for those of you who use an iPod or an iPad uh, or a, an, uh, an iPhone, um, yeah, this is going to be a way that you can not necessarily download the entire message and then sync it to your uh, device, but instead you'll be able to stream it live through this app. Uh, And I've spent uh, quite a bit of time uploading material, and right now I think we're just waiting on Apple to approve the material that we've submitted. So hopefully by the end of December, uh, we'll have that ready for you guys. But I'm looking forward to that. I think it's a a cool way to to grow our ministry, to expand our ministry, and to keep putting these, these messages out there. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started real quick with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for the chance to study your word. We know that your word is filled with instructions for us, so teach us how to live in harmony with one another and with you. Teach us to walk with you, Lord. Draw us closer to you today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the things that we, that we need to understand when we read through the New Testament is that a lot of it, the, the vast majority of it, was written to a Gentile audience that was still going through early uh, spiritual growth spurts, if you will, in which they were trying to understand what it meant to follow Jesus or what type of behavior was required of them. And answering those types of questions was one of the main reasons behind almost all of Paul's letters, if not all of them. Uh, add to that at least the, the gospel narratives that were written by Luke and John. There's no question that each one of those books was written with the aim being to appeal to the Greco-Roman Gentile mind and worldview. Uh, There's also no doubt that books like Matthew were written primarily for a Jewish audience. Who were the earliest followers of Jesus? Well, it was the Jews who had converted upon believing that Jesus was the Messiah who had been spoken of and and written of throughout the Old Testament. And that's, you know, I, I hold the view that Matthew was the first of the gospel narratives to be written, that it was the earliest gospel narrative written, because it's so obvious that it's written almost exclusively to Jews. And that's why Matthew is so concerned throughout his book to point out prophecies that Jesus was fulfilling. That's uh, one of the main themes of Matthew's book is the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, as the, as the church started to grow beyond Jerusalem, Paul became the first real missionary to, to go from one city to the next, spreading the gospel. And as we read through the book of Acts, we find that his custom was to go into a city, and the first place he would go every time would be the local synagogue. That was his custom. That's what he did. He'd go to the synagogue. As someone who was educated as a Pharisee, Paul knew the Old Testament scriptures backwards and forwards, and he would thus reason with the Jews based on the prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament, showing the Jews who would listen that Jesus fit the description of the Messiah perfectly. And what we learn in Acts is that Paul's efforts were, uh, were were met with moderate success. Some would listen and convert, but most 
wouldn't. And many of those who didn't convert would consequently begin harassing or or persecuting Paul. For example, when Paul went into the city of Thessalonica, the Jewish leaders accused Paul and his team of uh, leading this uprising against the Roman Empire. And so they hired some local thugs to hunt Paul and his team of missionaries down. And when they couldn't find them, they brought in the local people uh, with whom Paul had associated, Jason, for example, among uh, many others. And those people were thrown in, in jail, and in, in, they were imprisoned. Now, whenever Paul's efforts to reach the Jews were thwarted when he went into a new city, he would begin reaching out to the Gentiles, whom he discovered were much more open to listening and listening to and hearing the gospel. And so, with this in mind, we have to understand that much of the New Testament was written with the Gentile as the primary intended audience. Uh, the book of Romans is no exception. However, we should also remember that there were some Jews among the Gentile followers of Jesus in each town or city. Uh, the traditions and rituals of many of the early Jewish followers of Jesus carried over from their traditional uh, Jewish upbringing. Early on, there were a lot of questions about how many of those traditions and rituals the Gentile converts should be following. Uh, Some of the Jews said that the Gentile converts were still under the law of Moses, and thus they had to abide by the law and the traditions of the Jews. The book of Galatians was written as a rebuttal against that position. Uh, Some also held the view that the Old Testament was of no use at all anymore, and that's the view that we want to take a look at today. Uh, The theme that Paul's been developing here in Romans over the past chapter or two is the theme of harmonious coexistence, peaceful coexistence, right? And that's almost never an easy thing, you know? I mean, especially when you have two groups of people who have vastly different cultural backgrounds. You know, some coming from a Jewish traditionalism and some coming from a Gentile background. We can only imagine how difficult it must have been for them to live together in a peaceful, harmonious way. And for that reason, we've seen Paul address those who are stronger in the faith. Those are the people Paul is most immediately interested in influencing because he knows that if he can persuade those people to set the example, those who are weaker in the faith will follow. But for that to happen, Paul knows that those who are stronger in the faith will need to carry more than their own share of the load. They'll need to compensate for the weaknesses of others by carrying their load in addition to their own, carrying the, the load of the of the weaker people in addition to their own. So those who are stronger in the faith will need to follow the example set by Jesus himself by humbling themselves and dedicating themselves to serving those who are weaker in the faith. Paul knows, just as any mature follower of Jesus must know, that in God's kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. What is small must become great and what is great must become small. That is how the kingdom of God operates. And it's into this context that Paul continues by writing here in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So Paul begins this verse with the word for, which of course indicates that he's justifying or explaining the concepts that have been developed up to this point. And in this case, he's justifying his statement that the strong must bear the weaknesses of those without strength. Now, I've been fortunate enough 
to never uh, have broken either one of my legs. Sure, you know, I've had, uh, I've had injuries. I've had shin splints, just like anyone who's done a considerable amount of running. Uh, for myself, you know, I played soccer for over 20 years, and uh, now I'm also active in training for long-distance running. I'll be running my first full marathon in June of 2012. So yeah, you know, I've had shin splints and broken toes on multiple occasions, uh, but I've been around a lot of people who have had broken legs, especially back in high school when uh, we were playing really competitive soccer. And one of the unfortunate side effects of someone breaking their leg and thus not being able to use that leg for weeks or, or months sometimes is muscle atrophy. That's one of the side effects. Uh, the person learns to rely on crutches or you know, a wheelchair if it's a bad enough break during that time that their leg can't bear their weight. And ultimately, when the cast is removed and the leg is able to bear the person's weight again, the leg will have lost a considerable amount of mass. Uh, you know, when, when you see somebody get a, a cast taken off, you compare the size of their legs, and the one that had the cast removed is going to be smaller. It's weak. It's lost muscle mass. How does this relate to our passage? Well, the Jews had never experienced the type of freedom that Jesus gave them. Uh, they'd relied on the rigid rules and the traditions of Judaism to support their faith. And as a result, they had become weak because they'd never exercised the type of freedom that's found in Jesus. That's why there were disagreements in the early church about how much of the law, if any, the Gentile converts were supposed to abide by. But at the same time, there were Gentile converts who probably uh, weren't able to see how some of the poetic songs written by David over a thousand years ago were relevant to their life. Philosophy and reason gave them direction, but what could the story of Israel being freed from slavery to the Egyptians add to their life? Well, it's with the understanding that there would be spiritually weak Jewish followers of Jesus and spiritually weak Gentile followers of Jesus that Paul writes this. But we must understand that Paul is primarily addressing the Gentiles here. How do we know? Look at what he says. He says, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. He's referring to the Old Testament and the purpose of it. It was written for our instruction, meaning that Paul counts himself among those for whom it was written, the Jews. And by writing this, Paul has essentially brought the Old Testament up to par in terms of importance with the New Testament. Uh, Augustine said that everything that was veiled or hidden in the Old Testament was revealed in the New Testament. And I'd have to agree with that sentiment. You see, when we look at, when we see the overarching themes of the Old Testament and read between the lines, so to speak, we find multiple principles, I mean a lot of principles, that are universally applicable to both Jew and Gentile alike. In fact, I think it would be difficult to go through the book of Romans alone, just the book of Romans, uh, which by the way is a New Testament book, and dismiss the Old Testament in any way. I mean, there are hundreds of Old Testament references scattered throughout the entire New Testament, and the book of Romans by itself has several dozen. One of the things that I've tried to do from the beginning of this study is teach the entire Bible through the book of Romans. I mean, the story of Israel is at the center of this letter to the church in Rome, and it ties everything from the first eight chapters together. So if there's any doubt about the importance of the Old Testament, those doubts get laid to rest in Paul's words to Timothy, who, by the way, he was with Paul as Paul wrote this letter, as we'll see in chapter 16, verse 21. Um, but yeah, Paul's words to Timothy were, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable. All scripture. Even Leviticus? Yeah, even Leviticus. What about Song of Solomon? Yep, that one too. Every word from the Old Testament is as useful to the follower of Jesus today as it's ever been because God's words and his purposes and the principles that he wants us to live by are eternal. The truths that he wants us to have are universally significant. Equally significant to Paul's words to Timothy is the fact that the Lord Jesus himself consistently referred to the teachings of the Old Testament in his own teachings. Uh, You know, critics and and skeptics of the Bible, they'll laugh at stories like Jonah being swallowed by the great fish. Uh, But Jesus said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's from Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. You know, I, I've known followers of Jesus who don't believe that the story of Jonah being swallowed and spending three days and nights in the belly of a sea creature, they'll say they don't believe it's literal. But if we deny the literal story, we must either think that Jesus was mistaken about the Old Testament because he compares his burial and resurrection to the story of Jonah, or that Jesus wasn't literally buried for three days and three nights. Jesus is saying in this passage that the story of Jonah is as literal as the period of time between his death and resurrection. When Jesus was asked about divorce, he referred to Adam and Eve as literal people. When he talked about his future return, he likened it to the days which led up to the great flood of Genesis and the time of Noah. Again, if one is literal, then both must be literal. If the future reality that Jesus was teaching about is a literal future reality, then the past reality that he's comparing it to is also literal. When Jesus was asked about um, you know, when his return would be, he referred back to the prophecies of Daniel chapter 9. So time and time and time again, Jesus affirmed everything that the Old Testament taught as being literal and continually relevant to our lives. Now, back to the text here in the book of Romans, Paul tells us that there are additional purposes in the scriptures other than instruction. Once one is instructed in the writings of the Old Testament, Paul says that by perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. In other words, Paul's saying that there are two elements which must be in place in order for the follower of Jesus to have this great hope. And by hope, by the way, we don't mean like, oh, I'm going to throw a penny in the wishing well and I I hope my wish comes true. Uh, Hope in this sense means waiting for a promise to happen. So the first principle that he gives us here is perseverance. And this is a leg that both Jew and Gentile alike would be able to stand on, regardless of their background, regardless of their education or their training in the scriptures. Perseverance is the characteristic, of course, of a person who refuses to be swayed or who refuses to be convinced to walk away from their faith in Jesus, but who is patient and sticks with the program. Uh, The second element, which gives us hope, according to what Paul's telling us here, is the encouragement of the scriptures. How can the the scriptures, the, the Old Testament specifically, that's what Paul's referring to here, how can that encourage us and give us hope? Well, first of all, it teaches us about God 
And it reminds us of how awesome his love for us is. When we read Psalm 139, for example, which happens to be one of my very, very favorite psalms, uh, we're reminded of how vast, how incredible, and how incomprehensible God's knowledge and understanding is. We see that he knows us, and he knows us even better than we know ourselves. And we see that he's always known us, even before we were born, even before the first star was born. And despite the fact that he knows us so well and so intimately, warts and all, we know that he loves us. And if that isn't encouraging and doesn't fortify your faith in God, you know, I, I don't know what does. I really don't know what does. The Old Testament also tells us about the faith of those who went before us. It tells us about how their faith drove their ability to persevere as well, by the way. And we see that God used these men and women throughout the Old Testament who made horrible mistakes despite their faith. And we see that God used them in amazing, mighty ways nonetheless. The encouragement that we get from these stories is what the book of Hebrews is really all about, as it serves as something of a, you know, kind of a hall of fame of the faithful from the Old Testament. We see how they overcame incredible odds by God's hand in their lives. And in this sense, the Old Testament is filled with encouragement for the follower of Jesus. Another way that we're encouraged by the Old Testament is that we see the faithfulness of God to his promises. We see that uh, despite their outright rebellion and defiance toward God, God nevertheless provides warm clothing for Adam and Eve as they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And he makes a promise before they go that he will make this right. We see that God doesn't give up on humanity throughout the Old Testament. He promised to send a Redeemer, the Messiah, and how faithful he was to that promise despite humanity's continued godless rebellion. So with these two legs to stand on, perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we can find the strength and stability to bear the weaknesses of others because we continually have the fulfillment of God's promise that's set before us. And we have Jesus' example of maintaining a humble spirit to guide us and to keep us going strong in our walk with him and with each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that we get from your word, Lord, and for the the examples that are set by faithful men in the Old Testament, men who were just as, as sinful as anyone else today, men who had faults. We see that these people from Rahab to Moses to Abraham, they, they all had faults, Lord. They all had faults, but they loved you and you were faithful to them. And we're encouraged by that. God, I pray that you will give us faith that we see in those types of people, that those types of people would encourage us, that they would motivate us, that they would see that with you anything is possible, even faith in the midst of excruciating circumstances, uncomfortable circumstances, desperate times, God, that we can still maintain our faith in you. God, I pray that you will strengthen our faith through our study of your word. Teach us to walk closer to you. Teach us to be more like your son. We want to represent him well in this world, God. Teach us to be salt and light wherever we are and wherever we go. We love you. We thank you again for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will bless and preserve this message for years to come. For your own glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
This message has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcasts.org. We are a listener-supported ministry. If this is your first time listening to us, we thank you so much for joining us, and we ask nothing further from you. But if this is a ministry that you rely on for regular spiritual teaching, we do depend on your financial support to keep us going and growing. If you'd like to make a donation to BibleStudyPodcast.org to keep us going and reaching thousands of people around the world, you can go to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org, and you can make a donation on the right-hand side by clicking on the support box. Again, we do rely on your support, and we thank you so much for your financial participation in this ministry, which enables us to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today and keep growing closer to Jesus. I am.